Hello, my wonderful friends. Uh, welcome to Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible, and where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Kurita, the South Australia Regional Coordinator for Faith FM, and if you like to make a comment or have your questions answered, please text uh, us on 04-888-8081. You can be part of our program today with your uh, questions, uh, comments, uh, an insight you like to share with us uh, today. You can be part um, of this program by sending us a text message on the number which uh, I mentioned to you, zero uh, four. Triple eight eight zero eight double one. Now uh, keep that uh, handy because um, just a little bit later we will uh, uh, give you that special gift which we have for today. Uh, we now um, uh, have a bit of a custom of giving to our listeners uh, a special book, and it's a wonderful one for today. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. I would like to welcome our co-host today. I had this gentleman with me before, at least once, I remember, and uh, I'm thinking how to introduce him, but I will just go with what I know about Mark Wilson. Mark is a pastor uh, serving in, uh, in a church here in Adelaide, Prospect International uh, Church, a beautiful church and uh, located quite uh, close to the, uh, to the CBD. And also, Mark is leading in the evangelism department for South Australia Conference. Uh, what that means, uh, Mark? Welcome to the program first. Oh, well, thank you, Nick. Happy to be with you all and with your listeners. What that means to be also leading in the evangelistic department? <laughs> Don't know about leading, but, <laughs> well, it, we have um, uh, conference evangelism, so we, we're, we're planning evangelism. Uh, public evangelistic programs. So we're doing that with our local church, of course, and and next year and perhaps a year after, we'll be working with a a group of churches working together in uh, publicly sharing the truths of God's word. All right. Can you give me just a little bit more insight on that one? Just uh, I know you have some meetings with people. Uh, what do you mean, like to have a, a public evangelism? Well, we'll we'll rent a prestigious uh, venue, a nice hall. And we'll um, advertise and promote, and um, people will be free to come and hear a series of very exciting Bible lectures, audiovisual with good um, graphics and the whole works, good music as well, choirs, and you know, beautiful. I mean, th- this is a, a time where you can do a bit of promotion. I know it's still far from the time when we'll, yes, uh, we'll have that, but yeah, we we have. Um, uh, an evangelist coming to Adelaide. His name is Pastor Jeff Yulden. He's well known. Um, he was our Australia-wide uh, evangelist. Um, he's retired now, if you can call him retired. But he's coming down to Adelaide and we're running a, a public evangelistic series called Life After Life mm-hmm. and Sharing Hope in Troubled Times because we do live in love troubled times. So he's coming down and we'll be promoting that throughout the Adelaide community. It will be available to be watched on uh, Living Ministry Media. It will be um, recorded and shown online and so forth. Maybe even Faith FM might uh, present the audio on the Faith FM as well. But I'm pretty sure we can do that. Yeah. 
beautiful. Hey, uh, Mark, we are approaching a very interesting topic uh, today. Um, we are going to talk about uh, how do I choose a church? Now, we dealt uh, already with some questions uh, during the week, uh, like, uh, does uh, what I believe matter? Are all religions essentially the same? Shouldn't Christians be more tolerant? You know, very good questions. But we are going to dig a little bit more deeper into um, this question. How do I choose a church? Looking forward to, get to getting my teeth into that one. <laughs> okay. Well, um, just stay with us. Uh, don't go anywhere. This is Faith FM uh, Drive Time Big Q&A. Uh, we'll be back with you very shortly. Just a little ad here and we'll be back with you. No radio reception? No problem. Download the free Faith FM app onto your phone or tablet to listen anytime, anywhere. It's always a pleasure to welcome uh, David Lima from Family Voice Australia on our program. David, um, today again it's a, it's a very important uh, topic to look at. And um, uh, as you visit and speak in many churches, uh, David, I wonder if you can explain what is similar and different in the churches. Yes, Nick, that's an excellent question. I really should write the the Christian Tourists Good Guide to the Churches of South Australia or something because I have travelled so far and wide to visit so many churches over the last nearly 30 years. And I do see a lot of different things, some things that please me and some which don't please me quite as much, but many differences, many similarities. The similarities, of course, are that they profess faith in Christ and recognise him as Saviour and Lord. They believe he died, he rose again, died for our sins, all of those basics. But then all sorts of distinctive approaches as well, some of them which I think are um, perfectly valid and others which I think are a little more problematic. I have to remember, of course, Nick, that I'm a guest in these places and I'm there for a particular purpose sure. and uh, I'm not there to solve all the world's problems. I've got enough difficulty getting across our family voice message, which is already sufficiently controversial without mm-hmm. getting into questions of theology. But we do see all sorts of distinctives. Some churches practice infant baptism, for example. Others will have baptism of believers only, which mainly mainly means adult baptism or you know, teenage years, something like that. So that's quite a quite a profound difference, and it relates to an entirely different view of ministry. Whereas uh, some churches, the the minister is effectively a conduit of of grace, if you like, um, uh, uh, the vicar of Christ, uh, we might say, the representative of Christ in that way, and therefore it's it's not so much what the child thinks, but it's what the priest thinks, or the minister thinks, or the godparents and others. Uh, whereas other traditions on that matter would say, no, it's up to the child to grow up, to come to a personal faith in Christ and then to receive baptism. So there are these distinctives and people need to think very carefully about those sorts of things as they consider where they might want to go to church if they're not going to church already. I certainly do encourage the listeners to go to church if you're not already connected to a congregation. Mm. You said a few interesting things there, you know, that uh, people are doing things as they they think is right to do, but uh, uh, is there uh, only one true church? And if so... What is it? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Yeah, uh, it is true that the the some of these distinctives are contradictory, and we can't all be right. So it's tragic that we do have these divergencies when 
they are really diametrically opposed. So you've asked, well, what what is the one true church? There is one true church, Nick, and it's it's the church that Christ claims as his bride, and it doesn't exist in a physical location. It exists spread throughout time and space. And the scriptures speak about the communion of saints uh, in the old language or the cloud of witnesses in more modern versions. Well, that's all of those believers who have gone before and then here we are in the present and there will be other believers coming to faith in time to come, we trust. Mm -hmm. But put all together, there we have the bride of Christ. That is the one true church. On earth we have fallen people. And by the way, Nick, if if you or I find the perfect church, we should never join it because then we would wreck it. Mm. <laughs> but th- there is no single body of believers who've absolutely got everything right, no matter what some of them might say. Uh, the, the ones that say they've absolutely got everything right, they're ones definitely to <laughs> put a question mark over because the Scriptures say that now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. And mirrors in the ancient world were highly imperfect. Today we have much better mirrors. But nevertheless, even the modern mirrors do not give a fully accurate reflection of anything. There's always that slight distortion. So Paul says, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall know face to face. So we have the situation currently where we we have imperfection mm, uh, mm. on a good day and we have uh, far from <laughs> far from perfection on a bad day. And I'm reminded of those seven churches in Revelation. Now, this was the early church. They were very close to the apostolic era, very close to Christ himself when he was on earth. And five out of the seven churches were in trouble with the Lord. Yes. It's a most sobering statistic. If we were to apply that today, you know, you drive down the road, you pass seven churches. If you apply that statistic, five out of seven are in trouble with the Lord. So we mm. need to repent. The, the The word of God to all of those churches is repent. Absolutely. And I believe that uh, that's uh, another topic maybe to uh, to look at that mm. uh, aspect, you know, mm. particularly on the, on the seven churches mm. represented in Revelation. Mm. Uh, but what um, I want to pick up on, on what you just said about to look for the church mm. where Jesus Christ mm. is the one who's... Uh, purely represented yes. you know uh, as yes. much as humans can yes. and um, now you you said that that many christian and generally in the christendom people will believe in jesus christ mm. but doesn't mean that they are practicing you know uh, all the teachings of jesus correct of god uh, it's not enough just to say that i believe in jesus you mm. know you need mm. to uh, to do that yeah. to practice and uh, you know there are churches even named the church of christ or something like that mm. doesn't mean that's the true church true. or the church which represent truly uh, Jesus. Probably later on in the program, I'm, I want to touch a little bit more on this aspect, what that means to have the true church in mm. which Jesus Christ is revealed. Yes. And um, I will share a bit later on uh, something in this regard. Mm. But I want to come to another question now, uh, David, if I can. If someone is looking for a church, mm. What should they look for? Yeah. Well, wherever possible, I think it's helpful to find a church which is close to where you live. So it's not so much looking for the perfect church. There is no perfect church out there to find. So we need to be careful not to look for perfection. The same is true about relationships. If a man is looking to marry, if he's looking for, for Miss Perfect, he will never get married. Uh, if she's looking for Mr. Right, Mr. Perfect, She'll never get married because there is no such thing. But so I quite like the idea of, of dealing locally. 
And in Scripture, it says that the the people of God camped around the tent of meeting. I think there's something to be said for for worshiping locally, meeting locally. Uh, having said that, of course, uh, you'd have to be very certain that God wanted you to go to a church that had some issues. Mm-hmm. Although goodness knows they need to be fixed up, mm-hmm. uh, and so sometimes it is right and good to join a group that you know has got some issues if you believe you can help out. If, on the other hand, we're dealing with new Christians who might be listening or those who are yet to come to faith, uh, I do pray that they would come to faith in Christ, and having done that, to then seek out a fellowship. Uh, Don't go looking for trouble. Look for one church which uh, you believe confidently speaks the truth about Christ. Mm, I think you you pointed out very well uh, here now that mm. uh, because it's so easy to look for convenience. Mm. I mean, to look even for a church in your neighborhood, mm. uh, not knowing much about the yes. um, teachings yes. of that church, or just thinking, oh, I'm just going to a church yeah. once a week or whatever, you know. Yeah. But I actually agree with what you're saying. You don't need to go far and wide. Mm. You need to find something mm. local because mm. I believe God has His people. Mm. All around, uh, you know, uh, us, we just need to identify them, um, fellowship with them and stand Mm. for the the truth. And the most important thing is, if you like to, I I will just add here, if you want to continue Mm. on this um, uh, idea a little bit more, but you need to open the Bible Mm. and start to learn from the Bible to Mm. know God and then... I believe you'll be able to find the church which uh, uh, stands for Indeed. the teachings of God. Indeed. And if you find a church that's contradicting the plain teaching of Scripture, then hopefully the alarm bells will ring. And you may be able to go there to help to fix things up. But if you feel that you are not ready yet to go into that kind of a battle and you yourself need to be nurtured, then find another church, one where you will be welcomed by the Word of God being declared confidently and authentically. Mm. That's a very interesting, uh, you know, aspect, uh, David. And we can go further on uh, on this to analyze, if mm. you like, uh, uh, how people are choosing, you know, mm. churches. People, mm. many times they're choosing because, hey, uh, this is the church of my parents, you know, mm. my ancestors. Mm. Or um, uh, this is uh, the church which fits me much better because mm. of the culture. Yeah, or, the, um, the coffee or the stained glass windows. Exactly, or the, exactly. Yeah, but the uh, these things are wonderful, by the way, and uh, churches should excel in every way, in, in whatever they provide. But the real issue is whether Christ's name is being exalted. Uh, I'm reminded of a couple of churches that I've been to, Nick, where in the pulpit there's an instruction for the preacher. It's really wonderful. It says, Sir, we would see Jesus. That's the instruction to the preacher. Sir, we would see Jesus. And the preacher's got to elevate Christ and honor him. And so when we go to a church, when we find that Christ is being exalted and honored, then I think we're moving forward. Oh, that's a good uh, note to to close with you today. Thank you for joining us again, David. And as you continue to go and visit many churches, uh, I believe uh, uh, God will help you to to stand uh, for Him and share as much as you know uh, yes, and practice. Amen to that. God bless. I don't
Beautiful, beautiful song uh, by the Petersons. I know who holds uh, tomorrow. 
Um, welcome back. This is Fate FM Drive Time Big Q&A with uh, Nick Rita and our co-host uh, today is Mark Wilson. Mark uh, is a pastor uh, here in Adelaide for uh, Prospect International Church, but also is an evangelist at heart. And uh, just before the break, we talk a little bit uh, with Mark about some programs coming up here in uh, Adelaide uh, when uh, we'll uh, have uh, public evangelism. And um, today, uh, the, the question uh, for today is, how do I choose a church? And Mark, this is a quite a good question, you know, because I believe many people will uh, will ask, even those unbelievers because they will say i don't know what to choose there are so many churches there you know how do i know which church is the true church nick it is a question i've asked myself before i became a christian when i was interested in the bible and christianity so um you know this is a very good question because it's one of the first questions i asked myself um, it actually, Nick, it was um, the evangelist that's coming to Adelaide in September, uh, Jeff Yulden, told me a story once. Um, he was running some evangelistic meetings in a certain town, um, and a man came down the front after the meeting and he said, uh, excuse me, Mr. Yulden, he said, um, I'd like to ask you a question. Can you tell me the most popular church in town? <laughs> well, you know, he thought a moment. And he mentioned a certain church that seemed to be, you know, quite popular and well attended in the, in the town. And uh, the man said, thank you very much. And he started to walk away. And then my preacher friend said to him, hey, look, you've asked me a question. I'd like to ask you one now. Why did you ask me that question? <laughs> and, um, well, the fellow said, he said, it's very simple. I've just moved into town a short time ago, and I've opened up a business. And it seems to me that it would be good for my business if I belonged to the most popular church. And that was his reason why he belonged uh, or why he was going to uh, attend that uh, that most popular church. (laughs) Particular church. Now, look, people have all sorts of reasons why they belong to a church or why they might choose a church. Um, Most simply belong to a church because they were brought up in it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, mum and dad went there and grandparents and great-grandparents, and that's why I'm there. Correct. Um, so we we're, were born in it. But some, sometimes people, you know, they never question why they actually belong to a church. If, if they're attending a church, they, mm-hmm. they were brought up in it or whatever, uh, and they don't ask that question. Some belong to a church or might choose one because it's close to home. Yes. Others because they've heard there's good music there or, or good, good children's programs there. I've got kids, and so they go to that certain church because they think that the children are going to get the right thing and so forth. Others go to a church because I like the preacher. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a preacher with a silver tongue and he, he preaches well and I'm going to go there because, you know, I'm getting fed or something. Others might go because they like the style of music there in yes. the church. There are all kinds of reasons why people might choose or belong to a church. However, I find that very, very few people belong to a church or choose a church because they are absolutely convinced that that church is teaching the truth of the Bible, all the truth of the Bible. Wow. Um, and I believe um, it's the only reason why we should choose a church or belong to a church. That is because we are convinced in our heart of hearts that that church is faithfully upholding all the biblical truths of the Bible. 
Now, we're not talking about people. People can be imperfect. You know, wheat yes. and tears grow together. You know, not everyone, not every church is perfect because people are not perfect. Mm-hmm. However, the truth it teaches from the Bible should be perfect. It should be the truth of God. And um, Now, earlier, just on this one, a little bit earlier, we talked to David from Family Voice Australia, that, and he mentioned that uh, there is no such a perfect church. Correct. And it's true. It's true. It's you true. cannot expect to, to have a perfect church. But can you expect... No, not, not, not if you and I are in it, because <laughs> we're human. Yeah. You know, we make mistakes. Even I do. And, and probably, Nick, if you had to be honest, maybe you do too. <laughs> yeah. So we, we're, we're imperfect as humans, so therefore we're never going to find a perfect church. But we ought to find a church that is upholding faithfully the truths of the Bible, mm-hmm. and that is key. Um, let me read to you something that Jesus said um, uh, about uh, about the truth of the Bible. He, he said this uh, just before his Passion Week, before he died. He was praying for his disciples, and it's uh, recorded here in uh, written here in John seventeen seventeen, where Jesus prayed. He said, "Sanctify them by your truth," and then he said, "Your word is truth." So the word of God is pure truth. Um, obviously, if a church is teaching something that's clearly not in the Bible, you know, for example, you know some churches even teach uh, some form of theistic evolution. For mm. example, you, know, the, mm. you read Genesis, and that's not there. Um, so the word of God is 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 foundational. But you know, most people, you know, well, I guess the claim would be, well, all churches claim to teach the truth from the Bible. And that's true, isn't it? You know, all churches would would claim to teach the truth of the Bible. But um, and by the way, I did a bit of research on how many churches there are around the world. Do you know that the Centre for Study of Global Christianity, the Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, discovered that there are over forty one thousand denominations, Christian denominations in the world. Right. I thought uh, some while ago I heard about about thirty four yes. or thirty five thousand, but forty thousand. Well, eh? it's grown. Wow. <laughs> you know, so forty one thousand. So. So many folk, of course, ponder the question, well, how is it can I, that I can find the right church preaching the truth out of all these denominations? Mm-hmm. Um, they all claim to follow the Bible. How can I sort out then, as an individual, when I want to choose a church that's following faithfully the Bible, how can I you know, discover the right path out of all this confusion? Now, let's, let's be frank about this. 41,000 denominations, you know, um, that's a lot of little individual independent congregations and so forth. We have to admit they might all have a core of truth, mm. things in common, mm. but they all can't be right. You know, they all have some distinctives and so on, as we heard before with the interview with David. So how do we sort out what um, truth is? Here's a text from the Bible I think is uh, very important in our discussion. Paul wrote it to his letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15. And he said, I write to you that you might know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Then he said, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So at least in the early days of Christianity, in the early church, the church was the pillar and foundation or the ground of the truth. Um, And that's where we should be today. But look, it's obvious something's gone wrong in history. Yes. Yes. Yes, and, and, uh, as you mentioned that, uh, Mark, uh, Apostle Paul, you know, um, preached and thought about the, the true church and the things which they saw and heard even, uh, firsthand. Now, can I ask you a question, uh, now, uh, Mark? 
What is the truth then? That's a, that's the question Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> in, the, in, a, in his trial, what is truth? He asked him. He didn't wait for an answer. Yes, but we can get an answer mm. <laughs> today. Look, here's three simple texts. You know, this is not comprehensive, but here are three very important statements about truth that the Bible teaches. Now, um, uh, David answered this very correctly in the interview. First of all, the church must be founded on Jesus Christ, the Son yes. of God. He's front and center. John 14, verse 6, says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That, now, that's obvious. That's a given. Um, then we have Jesus um, praying, as we just read before in John 17, your word is the truth. So Jesus is the, is the full embodiment of truth. Mm-hmm. What Jesus taught and believed and practiced um, is the truth. His word, all the Bible, is truth. But there's another one in Psalms, in Psalm 119, verse 142, where the Bible says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Right. Your law is truth. Now, it's very interesting that the New Testament defines that a little, um, where Paul writes in Romans, and he asks the question, um, you know, well, is there a problem with the law? Is the law sin? You know, Mm -hmm. he asks. Certainly not, he says. He says, on the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. Now, now, the Bible says the law is truth, and Paul is now saying, I need the law to know what sin is. Um, I wouldn't have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Covet, yes. Now, that's the Tenth Commandment of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul here is upholding the Ten Commandments as truth. And uh, then he goes on to say, therefore the law is holy just and good. Now, it would seem to me, when we're talking about churches, a good church would never preach or teach against a good law, Mm. a holy law and a just law. So on that basis, um, we can can lay down another pillar of truth. You know, we have the Jesus. Yes. And he kept the Ten Commandments, otherwise he would have been a sinner. Uh, The Word of God, which upholds, and then obviously the law of God or the Ten Commandments, as truth. While you're saying that, uh, uh, Mark, I used to tell people, you know, and I'm still uh, saying that when we talk about how God revealed himself and we're talking about truth, yeah, and there are certain ways, you know, in which you can uh, found God. God revealed himself even through nature. Yeah. God revealed himself, and you mentioned here, through his son, mm. through Jesus Christ. Correct. God revealed himself also through the word, the written word, the Bible. Yeah. God revealed himself to the prophets. Mm-hmm. And another thing which I believe we uh, overlooked in these days is that God revealed himself through the relationships in between us all here and with him, mm. with God. But yeah, coming back to... Uh, to what you just shared before, um, truth. I like to give this um, present, this uh, offer today uh, for our listeners. Yes. God's truth. Very good. Not my truth. Yeah. Not our truth. Not their truth or somebody's truth. But God's truth. And this is a wonderful uh, book. Searching for uh, life's meaning is universal, uh, Mark. Uh, every culture uh, in every era has searched for truth. Truth and truth. People are interested, you know, what is the truth? Uh, 
that answers, you know, life's big questions. You know, truth that provides significance for daily living. Truth that is certain and beyond doubt. Mm. But truth has come on hard times. You can find this one in, uh, in, in the book which will offer you. Have you heard somebody say it? You have your truth and I have mine. Really? <laughs> that, can that work? <laughs> to have you, you can have your truth, I can have my truth in terms of salvation. Because in other aspects, yeah, you may, you know, you may see the truth differently, you know, but I, I believe in, even though it's only one truth, That's we may correct. see differently. You know, truth yeah. is not subjective. No. It's objective from the word of God. We need to study it daily yes. to learn truth. Now, look, this is, uh, this book by George Knight, it's yours today. If you send us a message on 04 and we'll be more than happy to uh, hand it to you this book free of charge, no obligation. Yes. But coming back, Mark, to what you just starting to share, at least we are going to dig into these three aspects, you know, the truth, the church, which we to find the, the true church is that's built on Jesus Christ. Yes. And by the way, um, let me ask, what would be the first church? And we want to find a, ch- a true church today and mm-hmm. to choose the church that's following truth. Well, let's start from the beginning. Where was the first church? Who was the first church? You mean in, in uh, the apostolical church? Yeah, what would a lot of people say if we asked the question, well, what was the first church? Yes. Many might say, well, it was the Catholic church. Right, you know? yes. But, um, and I'm not criticizing any churches, but biblically, that's not the correct answer. Biblically, the first church was the Church of Israel. Mm, all right. In fact, the, the Bible... Um, you know, actually says that. Um, let me read you an interesting text in Acts seven thirty eight. This is he speaking of Moses mm-hmm. that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spoke to him upon Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give to us. Okay. Now that is the church of Israel. Um, it was founded upon Jesus, by the way. Uh, Jesus was the one that led them, and um, and it was also it, it's interesting. It says that that church, the Church of Israel, had received the lively oracles. Now, you know, people say, "Well, n- no church is perfect," and, mm-hmm. and 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 that is true when we talk about people. But when it came to Israel, was that uh, church perfect? You know, with it, in respect to its people, not no, at all. Often failing and falling short, as we do. But on the other hand, that church had the pure, unadulterated truth from God's word. To be the light of the world. Exactly. To shine that light. uh, That was God's intention, actually, with Israel, not to have just a group of people, a separate group of people because uh, they were more special. God's intention was to have them as the light of the world. Yeah, the the Apostle Paul, you know, um, in the book of um, uh, Romans there, I think it's chapter 3, verse 1, but he asks the question, what, is, what advantage does, do the Jews have? Mm. And he answers the question by saying, chiefly, this is the chief uh, reason, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. Right. They received the truths of God. Now, we, we too, as Christians, you know, we, we are to receive the truths of the word of God and be faithful to them. People may not be perfect, but the truth from God's word is. Um, Israel may have failed often but they had the truth of God. 
um, from the Bible. They were a church, by the way, that was founded also upon Jesus. Mm. He was the rock that, that followed them in their wanderings and led them and guided them. They were founded upon the Ten Commandments. God gave them a revelation of his will for humanity yes. in the Ten Commandments. They received you know, the prophets' writings and so on. They, they had the truth and so on. Now, the trouble is, just like us today, churches today, we're not always faithful. Mm. And, the, and Israel fell away from the truth. It fell away so much so that Christ, when he came, had to start a new Israel. You know, he called out a remnant of the Jews that believed, together with the Gentiles that the Apostle Paul was sent to, and he started the early church. Now, it's very interesting that if you were living in the first century after Jesus um, had been on the earth and so on, if you were a Jew, you would have belonged to the true church that had truth for the last 1,500 years. Yes. But after Jesus came and the early church got going, if you, want to stay, if you wanted to stay with the truth, you would have had to change churches. Mm. You, wouldn't, you couldn't remain in the Jewish church. You had to accept Christ and the truth of Christ and the New Testament. You would have had to change. Every person that followed truth in the first century had to leave another church. Right. Which was the Church of Israel. They kicked them out of the synagogues. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we can bring that down to our day, and, and it's much the same. We might be in a church that our mother belonged to, were born into it, and our yes. grandparents and so forth, going way back. And, you know, I think of myself, and uh, my family comes from the Presbyterian tradition. I'm very proud of that, mm-hmm. because the founder of that was John Knox in Scotland, right. mighty preacher in the Reformation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I don't um, belong to that particular church today, not because the people are, uh, are bad or anything, no, nothing to do with that. It's just simply because today God has led me to a conviction of truth that I must follow that was not there in that other church. And out of the darkness, Mark, the truth was progressive, you know. Not everyone uh, will find everything uh, at that moment in time. And you just remind me of uh, a saying about Luther, you know, the great reformer, Martin Luther, and uh, he was now a devoted Catholic, you know, a monk uh, who wants to bring the truth, you know, in his church, in the Catholic church, which yes. the church was falling, you know, away from the truth. And obviously the story goes that uh, um, he was not received, you know, yeah. and uh, the Lutheran church started. Now, during his life, he was able to share a certain amount of the light of the truth. Yeah. And there was people coming from uh, other groups or reformers, you know, who started to read the Bible and, you know, understand. And they uh, come to the uh, Lutheran church and they share some other truth, new truth. And they will ask, is that what Luther preached? Well, look, this is the very exciting thing about all this because, you know, the Bible actually indicates that in the, in the early church, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he died, he'd hardly be cold in the ground before false teachers would come in to draw away disciples after them and mm-hmm. lead them away from the truth. And then he wrote uh, in his, um, his uh, letter to the Thessalonians that there would be a great falling away from the truth, and as a result of that, the man of sin would arise up in the church, the son of perdition and so mm. forth. There would be a great falling away. But the Bible also indicates in the book of Acts that before Jesus comes back, there would be a restitution of truth, you know, a great reformation. Yes. Uh, a gradual re- restoring of light and um Luther was part of that. There were others before him, but he started that. And, of course, we have the Lutheran church that came out of that. But Luther, mighty man as he was, 
you know, with salvation by grace alone, through Christ alone, mm. mighty men in discovering that wonderful um, truth of the gospel that you don't have to go and pay money to the church, you know, to get your friends out of purgatory and, you know, mm-hmm. all this sort of thing. Luther f- brought the church back to the foundation of the Bible and the Bible only, which is a great, you know, message of the Reformation, sola scriptura, yes. the Bible and the Bible only. But mighty man that he was, Luther couldn't understand all the truth in the Bible just in his lifetime. Correct. Yeah, he died. And the trouble was those that followed Luther and they were correct to do so, they set up a camp around the teachings of Luther and would go no further. Correct. In the Reformation. But remember, the Protestant Reformation wasn't, didn't start and end with Luther. Mm-hmm. It started before that and it gradually moved on. You come into the 16th, 17th century, you've got men like John and Charles Wesley. Mm. The great Methodist movement, it was called the Holiness Movement. And they believed exactly what Luther taught. But they went a step f- further and they emphasized holiness of life. Mm-hmm. That we should have a method in our Christianity, in, in, uh, in our prayer, our, you know, regular prayer and devotions, in our study of the word. You know, and they called them, oh, you're a bunch of Methodists because you've got a method for this and a method. It was a term of derision. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know John Wesley, he, he, he didn't start out preaching. Within six weeks, the Church of England had put out hundreds of tracts denouncing his teaching. Mm. So there was opposition to the growing Reformation. Um, you know, and those that followed John Wesley, they believe exactly the same as the Luther and his teachings, but they went a step further. But the trouble is, um, those that followed Luther wouldn't go any further, and so they said to these new folk, get out. The more you dig for the truth, Mark, yeah. the more counterfeit, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> ideas uh, come up. And you know that saying that, When other reformers came to the Lutherans, you know, and shared more light, they used to say, did Luther preach this? If not, we don't receive it. And they stacked, uh, got stuck. They, they became Lutherans yes. rather than, um, followers of Jesus. And that's so true what, um, yeah. what you mentioned there. Yeah, we even follow, uh, from the Wesley's time. We have the Anabaptists mm-hmm. coming on, you know, they're uh, called Anabaptists because they believed in a second baptism. And that is a believer's baptism by immersion. Mm-hmm. Now, we have the Baptist uh, church today, marvelous people, you know, as are the Lutherans and uh, the Methodists and, you know, so forth. Um, but the Baptists, the early Baptists found one more. They believed exactly as Luther taught. They believed the teachings of uh, John Wesley and so on. But they found light in God's word that we begin our Christian life with Christian baptism. You know, not, not baby sprinkling. That's yes. not in the Bible, but Christian baptism. But, you know, the Lutherans back then, I'm not talking back then, they they looked upon this and they said, look, Luther didn't teach about that. And then the Methodists said, well, you know, John and Charles Wesley never taught us anything about baptism. Mm -hmm. And so they pushed these new believers out. They believe exactly the same as them, but they added the truth of baptism, Mm. of of adult baptism or believer's baptism. And so we had the Baptist church. Never God's plan that we break up into all these churches. Mm Mm-hmm. But then the Baptists, you know, there were some early, some Baptists that were studying their Bible and they were looking at the Ten Commandments. And as they read the Ten Commandments, they came to the Fourth Commandment and they discovered, you know, it said, remember the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. And they said, well, blow me down. The seventh day is not the first day, Sunday. The seventh day is the seventh day, Saturday. And so they began to go back to their Baptist friends and say, hey, look, um, we believe we've been teaching the Ten Commandments, but the Sabbath is not the first day of the week. It's the seventh day of the week. And they were correcting saying that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the early Baptists never taught that, and so they pushed them out. And today we have in the world a group called the Seventh-day Baptist. 
they yes. believe exactly, they're not very big, mm-hmm. uh, mainly in America and so on, but they, uh, they believe exactly the same as the Baptist, but, um, they went a step further. And, and by the way, they believe the same as the Wesleyans and the Lutheran. And so you see, the Reformation was gradually moving along. And as it was moving along, churches was, <laughs> new churches were starting and so on. Yes. Absolutely. Hey, um, uh, Mark, um, I really want to give this book away today, uh, God's Truth. Very good. Now, this is a very good book to open, uh, you know, our mind. The Bible is the truth, you know, yes. and the Word of God. But this book is very uh, handy for you. Uh, if you like to have it in your hands today, free of charge, no obligation, uh, please just send an SMS to zero four triple eight. Eight zero eight double one, and you can have this book. God's truth sets from the idea that there is truth not only in the material world, but also in the social and spiritual realm. Truth that is foundational to personal and social health. Truth that transforms lives, and that's what uh, look. This is a great book here. and a great free gift. So listeners, get in and, and get hold of this book because it contains in there. I've looked at the content. This book contains um, material that has been gradually restored. Truth has been gradually restored down through the Reformation, and it's all there in that one book. Mm. Um, I would like to tell you really uh, uh, some key pointers about the church in the last days. All right, let's go for it. You know, God has really restored truth through the Reformation, but the Reformation didn't end with Luther or Wesley or the early Anabaptists or the Baptists and so on. It, it marched on. And there was a group that believed that Jesus was coming soon. They were called Adventists uh, mm-hmm. over in America. The Millerites, they called Adventists because they believed in the Advent, the mm-hmm. second coming. And... Uh, you know, they were preaching that Jesus was coming back in the mid-19th century and so forth. Uh, they got that wrong. But out of that, there came a group that, that, that accepted the Seventh-day Baptists in a message of the Sabbath mm-hmm. and the, you know, the full Ten Commandments, including the Seventh-day Sabbath. They believed the teachings of Luther and, and so on and Wesley and, 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 and baptism by immersion and all these things. But they saw one thing more, particularly out of the book of Revelation, and in Revelation twelve um, seventeen, that is a key text for the church. You know, how do I choose a church in my day? Revelation twelve seventeen says the dragon or Satan was wroth with the woman, which represents the church, mm-hmm. went to make war with the remnant or the last day church. And it gives two qualifying points, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, here are two key indicators that the last day church will keep all the Ten Commandments of God, all the commandments of God. Right. And then just a chapter or two later, um, in Revelation 14, we have God's last final message to the world in Revelation 14, mm-hmm. verse 6 to 12. Verse 12 says, Here are they, God is saying, Here are my people in the last days. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. They have the same faith relationship with God the Father that Jesus had All with right. his heavenly Father. And also, it repeats, they keep the commandments. Now, there's something about these commandments in the last days that is critical. And if you look at it, uh, if we accept all of God's Ten Commandments, including the biblical Sabbath, which is on the seventh day from Friday sundown to sundown on Saturday, and we're asking the question, Where's the true church today, or where is the church that's teaching truth? Well, it must include 
the faith of Jesus, it must include all the commandments of God, including the Sabbath. Now, sadly, that will strike off the list a lot of churches mm. of those 41,000. Mm. Um, and that message in Revelation 14, there's a threefold message there. The first part of it is sharing the everlasting gospel that's always been true to the world. The gospel is about God's forgiveness of our sins, which is breaking the Ten Commandments, any one of them. And the power of God to reclaim us from the power of sin in our life, to help us be overcomers in Jesus. And then there's a warning about Babylon has fallen. You know, one of the things I thought, look, I don't want to get involved in this Christianity thing because it's it's just a confused mess mm. out there. Or oh, look at them all out there. They can't all be right. Then I read about this thing called Babylon, which is a, a symbol representing, you know, general Christendom in the last days. God calls the church in the last days Babylon. Yes. It's a Babylon of confusion. Yes. And we all can agree with that. I mean, that, that makes sense. And when I read that, I thought, well, that makes sense. You know, I agree with God on this thing. It is a Babylon of confusion. But Lord, lead me out of confusion. Well, here's a message going to the world, calling people out of Babylon and into the truth of the last days, which is that body of faithful Christian people who love Jesus, who have the faith of Jesus, and are proclaiming this threefold message in Revelation 14. Might I encourage your listeners to read uh, Revelation 14, 6 to 12. That is the most definitive definitive identifying marks of God's true church today is proclaiming the truth. While you're saying that, uh, Mark, I remember some years ago I was uh, asked by a group of people where I used to study from a non-denominational, you know, kind of, uh, you know, attendance, um, actually from many denominations, you know, but um, we didn't uh, necessarily stood for one, you know, say, okay, this is uh, what we want to do. But we were studying the Bible. And somebody in the group asked me a question and said, Nick, what is the true church here now? And I was put on the, in between the, uh, the wall and the hard rock, you know, uh, but I remember that. I believe God inspired me to say, the true church is the church of Jesus Christ, the one which is the foundation. And then I was inspired to say this. Now, we had Baptists there, Pentecostals, Orthodox, you know, Catholics, And I said, the true church of Jesus Christ should be like Orthodox, which means right teaching. Correct. You know, Orthodoxa, right teaching. Should be like the Catholics, universal. universal. Yes. Should be like the uh, Pentecostals, full of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Should be like the reform, you know, we have from the Hungarian group, you know, reform. Needs to be reformed because we may fall into um, apostasy and other things. We need to reform constantly to to see if we are on the right track, and so so on and so forth. I said all those things, but in the end, they said, "But what's your church? You know uh, all about." And I share Revelation fourteen. Uh, verses 6 to 12, because I believe this is what you just shared a bit earlier, the present truth. Present truth. The Bible talks about that in Peter. Present truth. Be established in present truth. And present truth is is truth that is directly applicable to the time in which we live. You know, if I was to say to preach to my congregation, hey, folk, we need to go out the back there and build an ark because the destruction of a flood is coming. That's Mm. not truth today. It's historical truth. It was true back in Noah's day, but it's not true today. Present truth is is that 
is that truth that is vitally important for the age in which we live. And Revelation 14 is that truth. It is God's interdenominational, interracial, uh, ecumenical. It is God's message for our day. And as I look around the churches today, and uh, I'm, you know, I don't want to appear to our listeners to be biased, but I only find one church, one global church, that is proclaiming the three angels' messages of Revelation 14 to the world. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying the people are perfect, but the message is because it's straight out of the Bible. It's God's word for our day, the three angels' messages. That's why when people say, well, Mark, what, what, are, you? Who are, you, what are you about? I say, well, look, I'm a Lutheran. Um, because I believe in the, the Bible and the Bible only, that we're saved by grace through faith. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Presbyterian, you know, also because, you know, I believe the, the message that John Knox uh, taught um, that founded that great movement, you know. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Methodist or a Wesleyan because I believe in the teachings of John Wesley. He uphold, uphold the Bible and so forth. But um, I'm also a Seventh-day Adventist. Because I believe the Bible, the seventh day is the Sabbath. It's part of the Ten Commandments that God wants to write on our heart. And it's the three angels' message is the last day message for our world. Just as we uh, close, there was a, um, a preacher back in 1843 preaching in St. George's Anglican Church in Bloomsbury, London. Mm-hmm. This is what he said about finding the true church. He said, we can place our finger upon the very point at which we have arrived in prophetic history. We can look through the whole course and divide the fulfilled from the unfulfilled, the accomplishment from what yet remains to be. Then he said, when you find a church which zealously preaches the second coming and the end of the age, which preaches a message that will prepare a people for his coming, the threefold message of Revelation 14, a church exercising great patience while waiting under trial and persecution, which keeps the faith of Jesus, is hated by the devil because it keeps all the commandments and has the testimony of Jesus, you may know that you've found the last or the remnant church. And when we find a church like that that is founded on the gospel, preaching God's three angels' messages, has inherited all the truths of the Reformation, we ought to get on our knees and thank God Almighty that we've found the truth at last. And I believe God wants us all to find that church. Praise God for that. The time went so fast today, Mark. Uh, Here we are at the end of the program today, but we are going to uh, talk more about these topics and subjects uh, on our program. Uh, thank you everyone for uh, being with us uh, today and I'll invite you to come back uh, because we are going to approach another topic uh, next week. Uh, how do you explain biblical violence? Until then, may God richly bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Get the book, God's Truth. You can send an SMS on 4 All the best.
Shall never 